Now then, welcome to the Midlife Film Catch-Up, a podcast where we catch up on films that we've never seen before at this point in our lives. Uh, midlife. I'm Sam Turner and this is my collaborator, Chris Chris Jenkins. Equal footing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good, good, good. Hello, I'm Chris. Hi, everyone. Maybe um, just say one of your dreams. What, what's what, what's one of your dreams? Dreams? Oh, I had a dream last night that my brother was sitting on me and biting my one of my buttocks. <laughs> and it was actually causing me pain in the dream. And then I kicked my partner, Emma, in real life, in the bed. Wow. Twice. I am... Um... I once had a dream because I, I was because I was like struggling. Yeah, I once had a dream that Oliver Whiteley, um, a, a child that I went to school with, start was starting a fight with me, and I uh, kicked. I, I finally like launched a kick at him, and I kicked my uh, my partner in bed. So you've kicked your partner in bed as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good job we're not horses because it can kill. I always say that. Mm. Was Whiteley any relation to the Countdown host, that child? Richard. Richard, no, no. Although Richard was the mayor of Wetwang, of course, which uh, is a village that's not that far from me. Excuse me? Richard Whiteley was the mayor of uh, Wetwang. Wetwang. Wet... Yeah. Oh, Where's yeah. that? Where's Wetwang? Uh, it's near York, and that's that's what it's called. Wet wang. Each week we watch a film that is new to us, starting from the year we were born and running chronologically through to the present day. Before the recording, neither of us know what each other think of the film. Uh, we started uh, in 1983, and this week it is episode 11. And we're up to 1993. Big year. Big year. So, Chris, before we uh, get any further... Yeah. We've recorded 10 episodes. Wow. Milestone. That's a milestone, isn't it? Um, And I'd say that at the heart of this project was a desire from us to watch more good films, wasn't it? I agree with that. We want to watch more good films. So if I reel off all the films that we've watched as part of this project, I want you to think about how much you've enjoyed these films. Okay. Local Hero. Repo Man. Nine out of ten. Lost in in America. Two out of ten. Shadows in Paradise. Nine out of ten. Cobra Verde. 7 out of 10. Distant Voices Still Lives. 4.5 out of 5. Mystery Train. 5 out of 10. An Angel at My Table. 9 out of 10. My Own Private Idaho. 9 out of 10. Orlando. 7 out of 10. Okay, alright, well... You know, I think we're in the uh, we're in the green there, aren't we? What does that mean? I, what? Uh, I was well. I was sort of. I, was the, I suppose I was seeing it as like a um, 
color scale and red is really bad green is re- really good so above five on average would be green below five would be red okay so so you mean we we've mostly seen good films which is good we're in yeah we're in the green if we were in red normally that's when you're in debt mm, well we would I, be in debt to time wouldn't we we'd be in, in debt to time and good good cinema we are in debt to time because uh, I, I did want to bring up timekeeping timekeeping yes. during these podcasts is not our strongest suit it's getting it's getting unwieldy it's I'm getting unwieldy it, time it's i'd say that it's um testing the patience of our most dedicated listeners wow okay well um, we did. We talked about this in the week, and we've got a, a more rigid structure now, haven't we? But yeah, rest assured, listener, we have a, a tight structure for you this week. Um, and what we've also got, which is new this week, is some fabulous new music. Wow! By who's that by? So it's by a young man um, who lives in North Wales, goes by the name of Joe Booker. Yeah. Um, AKA Telefair. Yes. A.K.A. Joe Gintis, because he's part of the uh, Welsh combo Gintis. Yeah. And we're, but, big, um, we're big fans of Joe's work. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, he's also he's also a painter in the style of bacon, would you say? Painter in the style of bacon? Yeah. Francis Bacon? Yeah. Uh, I think he does many styles. Impressionist. Pop art. Pop, does he do pop art? Has he, has he, he got, did that, has he... the cover of the Gintis album. That's uh, Would you say that's pop art? Yeah, that's definitely pop art, isn't it? It's collage art. He's giving, um, he's giving Low Coney a run for his money. Yeah. He's a polymath like you, isn't he? Um, I, 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 don't, I don't agree that I'm a polymath. Polymath has to be excel in each area, doesn't it? When they, they know a lot about each area and they're quite talented in each area. Jack and, of and all trades. That, jack of all trades is a bit bit more on the money. Somewhere between the jack of all trades and the polymath. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. A jack of all, a poly of all trades. Math of all trades. Yeah, math of all trades. Math That's rock. Good. Math rock, yeah. yeah. Yeah, awful. Yeah, flirted with it. Flirted with math rock. I, I, I suppose Joe Booker would know more about math rock than us. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Do um, yeah. write in, Joe. I mean, he is yeah, writing in because you know he's he's sharing theme tunes with you. He's a col- he's a collaborator, isn't he? He's a part of the production team. He's a collaborator. So he so he's he's my equal as well. Yes, because you called me a collaborator earlier. So this week, so, yeah. No, I'm just you know, it's just it's good to know where you stand in in the wire. They talk a lot about rank and file, and they mm. say it rolls downhill. Mm. It rolls downhill. Yeah. So in this, in this, what we're talking about here in this hierarchy, yeah, the it would just stay in the same place. It wouldn't move. It wouldn't go upwards. It wouldn't go downwards. There's no gradient. It's totally flat. And 
I'd say that it would be if it was a dog poo, it would be a white dog poo because that's what was prevalent in the 1990s. And this week we're right. in 1993 uh, and we're looking at the film The Age of Innocence. Good segue, that. Age of Innocence is a film by Martin Scorsese. It stars Sir Daniel Day-Lewis as um, Sir? Archer. S- Sir? Archer. R- R- uh, Archer, who is a gentleman uh, lawyer in uh, 1870s New York. Uh, the story is of Archer's betrothal to a another high society person, May Wellard. Um, but all is not well because Archer's eye is, is caught by May's cousin, mm. played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. The Countess, Countess Olenska. Yeah. That was a very pregnant pause after you said Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, because I realised that I hadn't said that May Wellard was played by Winona Ryder. Yeah, of course. Credit where credit's due. Yeah, that's why they have credits, isn't it, in films? Because that's where they're, that's where they're due. So it's basically a love, love triangle. That's where they're due. Credit where credit's due, and the credits are due at the end of the film. Yes, yes. I thought you meant the water that settles upon dawn. <laughs> upon dawn, that was... That was upon dawn. Not upon. Upon dawn, I thought, you know, you get the dew settles on the grass. Um, when was the last time you stayed up all night? Oof, that's a good question. Um, what do what define all night? Not including times you can't sleep. Seeing the sunrise. Seeing the sunrise. Um, I can't remember. It's food for thought, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, you know, what, do you know off the top of your head? Nope. Good. It's food for thought. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, So quick thoughts. Yeah, that was a good synopsis. Uh, Well done. Uh, And he is, he has been knighted. You're right. I was about to say, hold on, an Irishman knighted, but he's, he's English. Is he? he? Yeah, he must be. He must have Irish parents. Could he be from the north of, north of Ireland? Northern Ireland. Yeah, you know, like Martin McDonough and John McDonough, they're they're actually born in London as well. They're English, but they have Irish families. Shane, Mc, uh, Shane McGowan's born in Ireland, wasn't he? Well, well, yeah. So it just reminded me of that Libertines line 
an English man in a baseball cap. Do you remember Good that mind, one? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I wore a baseball cap for fifteen years after that song came out. Every time I put a baseball cap on, which is rare, it's probably about three days per year. I, I think. Am I betraying? Am I like some sort of yank? What would Pete Doherty think of this? Me yeah. wearing a baseball cap. Yeah. Funnily enough, I was thinking this morning, um, the outfit that I'm wearing would really suit a baseball cap and maybe it's time I uh, re-evaluate my stance on baseball caps. Which cap would you wear? Um, I, I think if I was to wear a cap, I'd look like a, um, a, a sort of American 90s indie casualty. Not casualty, but yeah. a veteran. Veteran. Is it? What's his name? Is it Tommy from Casualty? Um, Ash. Ash from Casualty. Charlie. Charlie from Casualty. You'd look like Charlie from Casualty from the 90s. A cross between Charlie from Casualty and someone like um, the guy from Granddaddy. Ah, you're now. very cool. Pardon? Now, the guy from... <laughs> The guy from Granddaddy now. How do you spell that? What? Is that his name? No, no, no. As in, not Granddaddy at their in their pomp, but Granddaddy now. Right. When the, they're a bit older. The 5th of May, 2023. Great. Well, try it out. You know, a few weeks ago, I shaved off my beard, didn't I? And I just had a moustache. Oh, yeah, yeah. How did you, what was that? As an ex- How did that go as an experiment? I felt I felt um not what I always get the word fickle mixed up with another another word when someone doesn't take you seriously. Someone does when someone doesn't take you seriously. Do write in if you got if you know what word I'm trying to say here. Um, I think we're sort of substituting like you know, when you can't think of something you Google it. I think we're, when we can't think of a word or a fact or something, we're saying writing and I think that's quite dangerous when right. you consider they call it digital yeah. dementia don't they yeah well, I've def- yeah we've I mean we've definitely long past long gone got digital dementia um I, I felt like um uh, there were some situations where I wanted to be taken seriously and having a mustache you know like doing a placement with foster children over vi- over zoom as part of my my day job right you know, okay yeah i've got i've got a big mustache yeah and um not that i want to be taken seriously those sessions are all about fun but i i, I guess i feel like there's we talked about hipsters didn't we in a previous mm-hmm. episodes and i don't take the people like that that seriously and you know which is funny because People in my family would say I'm a hipster, and mm-hmm. they'd probably say it about you. Well, I always remember there was a uh, interview with Julian Barrett, and he made it clear in the interview that his moustache was a non-ironic moustache. Right. You do. You sort of have to declare it, don't you? There's not many like yeah. f- bits of facial furniture that. Well, there are quite a lot of, I suppose, bits of facial furniture that you do have to declare. I would. I, as you know, I've met and worked with Julian, and I like him. And yeah. I would, I, I'm going to 
I'm going to choose that option as well, declare it. But also I did like the silliness it afforded me. I was like, yeah, I do look a bit silly. Mm. That's like a good kind of unconscious icebreaker in, in, in society. In the, in, would, you, yeah. would it be the same if you had a soul patch, do you think? What is that? Uh, I think it's a little bit, if you have just leave the bit below your bottom lip, between your sort of chin and bottom lip. Like a, usually yeah. it's a triangle. The taint. 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 Perennium. The per- the perennium of the face. The gooch. Yeah. I would never just keep that bit because that's my weakest part of my facial furniture. It, it tends to n- not be very symmetrical. I think it's a strong statement as well. If you're if you rocking the soul patch. I think you'd, you'd, you'd leave yourself mm. open to be thought of as a pervert. A, per, a, a new age pervert. Yeah. Someone, yeah. someone, someone who says they, they love giving massages. Oh, I just yeah. love giving massages to my partner. Yeah. They would, drive would a car like a ma- yeah. that, that you don't often see. Yeah. Like a Twingo. Something even more rarer than a Twingo, I'd say. Um. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. So, but Daniel Day Lewis was clean shaven in this film. He was, yeah. So Daniel Day Lewis was clean shaven. He had a very nice, um, soft American accent, which I was, I, I, I really enjoyed Daniel Day Lewis's accent in this film. I, I'd like to change the format up a bit here and ask you what what were your quick thoughts on this film. Okay, I mean we're in we're in quick thoughts territory anyway. Yeah, but normally I think normally you ask me, so. Oh uh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a this is quite a um, lukewarm answer, but I didn't hate the film. I didn't love the film, and I, 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 I you know, in terms of quick thoughts, that's they're the quickest, most sincere thoughts I can I can give you. I was worried because it was obviously a costume drama. There was a lot of talk about costume dramas. We don't have to rake over last week's graves, but um, and I don't know if it's like um, I was sort of the fact that I knew it was a Scorsese got me through it. But I, I much I enjoyed this much more than last week's. Um, Costume drama. Yeah, well, you 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 never want to outright say that you don't like a film. Um. Yeah. Well, if if you look at my letterbox, there's there's very few that are less than three stars uh, that I've given a rating of less than three stars to. Very 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 few. You live in a flat, don't you? Isn't it communal? Let let. Letterbox, uh, sorry, the the film app, the, the film app. app, yeah. So yeah, I think you could probably count on one hand how many films I've given less than three stars out of five to. So you rate the films, do you? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's part of my process. That's interesting. Happy to rate films with those people, but not with not with your collaborator. Well, it's more of a, it's in the process. So I use Letterboxd to diarise 
the films that I've watched. I diarise them, yeah? With your digital friends? I mean, it's not really about friends. It's more for my own records, really. Record keeping. Record keeping is important. Mm. It's paramount. Databases are important. Absolutely, they are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, big definitely. data, big data. I mean, that's where it's all headed. Data, data. You know, you want your funding, you need data. Yeah. Um, do we do we have funding yet? Do we have funding <laughs> yet? Do we have? <laughs> do, do we have funding yet for this? Do we have a sponsor? Um, Come on, no. But Squ- Squarespace can. Instagram asked me if I want to make the film catch-up, at film catch-up, uh, account a professional one this week. Don't do not do it. Uh, I nearly did it, and then I thought, this is probably going to lose us engagement, so I uh, stopped. I've got, I've got first-hand experience of it. I've got second-hand experience of it, because my, my partner, Emma, flirted with professional accounts on Instagram for her clothing business, and... Once they once you click that button to say yes I'm professional, they're like oh okay. Then they do something called shadow banning where they don't promote your posts as they would normally do if it was a personal account because they want you to pay money in to to grow audiences to advertising. They bury you in the algorithm, so you have to pay dig yourself out with. uh, And and then you're paying for dead presidents. Dig yourself out with what? Dead presidents. With the with the Franklins, the Benjamin Franklins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you're paying for what you'd essentially get on a free account, on a personal account. So, where were we? Um, um, your quick thoughts, I think we're on two now. Okay, yeah, I just think... Um, I just think the sponsorship, you know, Squarespace haven't come knocking... Be healthy. Is that the be- better healthy? Be better, better health. Better, better help. Better help. help. Yes. Yeah. They haven't gone knocking. You know, we've not even had the Picton, Picton glass or Old Swan Tile Warehouse. We've not Daily had live taxis. No, we've not had set A one settle cars. Would you? Would you allow us to promote um, morally questionable businesses on this? Um, no, I'd go with friends kebabs. Yeah, um, no one's no one's calling that a morally questionable business, are they? No, vegetarians, vegetarians, maybe they would. Yeah, um, I'd go with Napsies on Renshaw Street. Mm. I'd go with Unai, the Curry House. I'd go with, sorry, Hardman Street Napsies. I'd go with. Um, Kevin's Fish and Chips, Park Road, Dingle. I go with Nizam's on Egbeth Road. Good. I go with Little, Little Furnace, Smith Down. Good, good, good. Why do you give me your quick thoughts about the Age of Innocence? Quick thoughts. I'm uh, lukewarm on this one. I think I think it works works great as a satire um but 
But I'm going to say if Scorsese is also hoping that this would be one of the great lost love love stories, then I think it slightly missed the mark on on that. Um, I, I I I didn't hit the emotional. It, it, I thought the pacing was so quick that it lost some of its nuance, it, and it was all so fast that you never really got a sense of the scale of time this was taking place over, the, mm-hmm. the length of time, and there was not much breathing room in there, and it was just kind of more emotional scenes heaped on top of the other, and I think it suffered in that respect, and then with the ending that is a sad ending, I think it was trying to reach, overreach, to become one of the great lost love stories, and it it didn't it didn't do that, but for me, but um, obviously it worked really well as a satire of people being trapped in social conventions mm-hmm. and attitudes of the eighteen seventies. Um, what yeah? What do you think about that? Well, it's um, it's based on a novel, isn't it? It's based on a nineteen twenty novel by Edith Wharton. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little fact for you here Winona Ryder studied that novel in her American equivalent of the uh, GCSEs correct correct. so what I'm thinking uh, what I'm thinking this means is that this novel for the our friends over the pond is their equivalent of your Jane Austen big hitters your pride and prejudices your sense and sensibilities your, mm. um, the, the other ones. Well, well, a, a costume drama. Have you seen Remains of the Day? Don't think so. No. Anthony Hopkins and Emma. Who's the English actress? Thompson. Emma Thompson. Yeah, um, and that is, you know, so on so many levels similar to this film, like. Mm. about people trapped in societal attitudes and conventions and it's a love story where they don't end up together um and that is that really hits you that's a really good oh, really one. yeah it's a it's a it's a great one in fact like um and this reaches to be that but it doesn't do it but d- d- does is remains of the day as spectacular is it as does it have the same Je ne sais quoi when it comes to uh, cinematography. I'd say it's much better. Wow. You know, because this film, Scorsese does his trademark fast camera movements, fast editing. Mm-hmm. It, it's all, it's like it's exactly the same as his other films in that regard. Love it. And, Love I, it. and I think it suffers for it. I think it suffers for it. Brilliant. Oh, um, <laughs> I think I, uh, I think that made it more palatable for me. I think it was, I think I need that. For, if it's going to be, a, if they're going to put costumes on them, cut it fast. That's that's my. Uh, if I was a producer, that's what, that's what I'd say Cost- to people. Costumes on, cut it fast. Costumes on, cut it fast. Yeah. Would you say that? Would you say that over a megaphone, on set? I'd say it in the pre-production meeting. I'd say mm-hmm. it when I went in there on, on day one and I'd say it in the editing room in post. You'd say it. 
when you were saying it on set, would you say, would you change it slightly to be costumes on? Later on, we're going to cut it fast. Just to clarify the the tense. Maybe, yeah. It's it would probably it probably need that, wouldn't it? To make sense. Yeah. We forgot to make more of the fact that last week's guest was an Oscar winner. In, in the promotion, in the promotion of this podcast. Right. Okay. What did he? What for? Gra- was that Gravity? Um, he mentioned it. Oh, Slumdog. Slumdog. We, we had, yeah, we had a write-in from a young man called Liam, and he said he should have made more of the fact that he'd won an Oscar for the joint mm. for the effects on, on yeah. one of the films. It, considering it's a, it's a film podcast, probably should have mentioned less about the fact that we used to throw. Um, monster in my pockets at each other and more about his uh, credentials in the in the world of film perhaps yeah yeah but you live and learn don't you you know when we've got yeah. Guillermo del Toro on episode um 32 then mm. we'll uh we'll probably say you know he's he's one of it he's done a, done some good stuff we'll, we'll shout about it we'll say yeah he's done some stuff um, how are we doing for timekeeping with the new with the new? Was it ten minutes per section? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we just say we're thirty four minutes in right now. Yeah, yeah. How how long is a Zoom recording? Forty minutes. Not not that we do this on Zoom. Um, nor that we we're not we we do pay for them or premium yeah. accounts as well. Not that we do this on a free version of Zoom. Uh, so we're 34 minutes in, so we should be moving on to the next section, which is... Takeaways. Takeaways. All right, well, let's spend a bit... Should we spend a bit longer on the quick thoughts? Um, no, no. I... <laughs> no. You've been <laughs> tough. Good cop, yeah. bad cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I, I, I mean, I do think that quick thoughts do sort of blend into takeaways anyway. Okay. Yeah. In a way. All right, I'm ready. Okay, so tell me your takeaways. Uh, schmuck, schmucky, schmuck, uh, Daniel Day, Daniel De Lewis ha- had a schmucky, his smile that he wore throughout his film was one of an absolute schmuck. I've never seen such a schmuck. Do you mean like, um, what's it, smug, like a smug? No, smug smile. Not not smug, a schmuck. I don't know. What I'm, I don't know. What, I'm, what do you mean? This what we say that all the time. Oh, I know what schmuck means, but yeah. If I was to smile like a schmuck, I, I'd probably like smile like a like a simpleton. No, no. Yeah, yeah. A schmuck is not a, a not schmuck a sim- is not if someone's a treating you as a schmuck. They're treating you with no respect. You don't have to be treated like a schmuck to be a schmuck. It's not. It's not always down to how other people treat you. You can be a schmuck. That guy's a schmuck. Would you, so would you say that guy is a schmuck, or he's just got a smile like a schmuck? Um, Archer. I'd, I'd say he was an absolute schmuck, and he had the smile, but his smile was horrible. His forced smile, and he was, and you know, he was, just, he was a schmuck. Well, I suppose the whole thing of the film wasn't it that he was being, um, he was imprisoned by the conventions of New York high society. So that <laughs> smile, 
was probably a reflection of him trying to express a natural emotion, but it was also a mask. It was also a mask. It was also sort of the the oppressiveness of society was wasn't allowing him to express a real smile. No, definitely not. Like, and um, I know really, I know. DeLewis is a great actor, but I really couldn't work out if it was on purpose or not, the schmucky smile. I mean, you've got to give Sir Daniel DeLewis the the benefit of the doubt, haven't you? Do you know another fact for you? He um, didn't speak to Richard Grant. Richard E. Grant. Throughout the film, um, because they were rival. I didn't, even, I didn't really pick up on this, but apparently they were, their characters were rivals. Um, so, the... because he's a method, said Daniel Day Lewis, he um, didn't speak to him throughout, you know, in or out of filming. And then yep. on, on the last day, when they've wrapped, that just means they've finished filming, wrapped. Yeah. Um, he gave him a hug. Yeah, I read that. And and De Lewis is so known for his method acting that he, when they were filming My Left Foot, he had um, members of the crew. He got them to throw buckets of cold water on him and abuse him and shout at him um, in order to be abused and maligned. And apparently they were more than happy to comply with that because obviously he's a bit of a precocious talent. Mm-hmm. And he was so method that when he played Hamlet on stage, they had to end it early because he had a breakdown on stage. And he said in later interviews that he, when it came to the ghost scene, he actually saw his real dead father as a ghost on stage. Wow. That's incredible, isn't it? You got you to gotta tip your hat to that sort of thing, haven't you? Definitely. And, and I listened to a podcast with Richard E. Grant this week, and he said that uh, DeLewis was actually a shoo-in for, was actually considering the part of Withnail in with the and I, and when he passed, Richard E. Grant got it. Yeah, I think I've heard that. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that, yeah. So that's all the facts done. Timekeeping-wise, we've got all those facts in. Okay. So should we say no more facts for this episode? No more facts. I feel like I've got to be the bad cop in this. So you said that um, so Daniel Day Lewis had a, sh- a schmucky smile. <laughs> no takeaway number one: schmuck, a smile. Uh, yeah. First of all, just just an addendum to that. Would you say, would you say it was a good performance? No. Okay. When, next takeaway. Um, because it lacked the vulnerability to make me like his character. Um. And he was in his scenes with Michelle Pfeiffer. He was he was often crying at her. 
he was like angry. He was, or, or everything was outward. I guess that's his character. He's so tortured and trapped in the conventions of the time. But I didn't like him because he, he, at the end of the day, was just kind of often blames her for not for them not being able to get together. And he, and it was sort of a whining sort of cry. So I didn't like the schmuck character. And if you watch Anthony Hopkins in Remains of the Day, he's also someone that's trapped, but there's a great vulnerability to him. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I'll make it my business to watch uh, Remain, Remains of the Day and uh, I'll compare and contrast. I thought it was a, I thought it was a really great performance from Sir Daniel Day-Lewis. Hmm. Because I think, I think, all those things that you you sort of mentioned there, that's that is his character, isn't he? He's, he's a bit of a pathetic, bit of a pathetic guy, and um, I think that came across. I mean, I think he was it was it was a it was like a a nice guy, wasn't he? A, a very nice guy, um, yeah. but he didn't really know his own mind because he was so effed up by the effed up by the system. Yeah, true. He was effed up, and and Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer said that if he if he split up from his engagement from his wife, then he would lose the virtues that he loves in him, which is kindness. Yeah, so it wasn't even just his own mind, was it? Yeah. Other people were pulling him in all sorts of directions. Yeah, but I I did, I did wonder whether Pfeiffer and De Lewis were a bit mis, mis, mismatched. A little bit in the casting, mismatched, mm. punching, punching. Do you think? What do you think he was punching? Yeah, I think he was punching. No, no, I think they were quite evenly matched, really. Yeah, they're both handsome, beautiful people. I just, I just, I just, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Pfeiffer was um, miscast. But I, I, I do genuinely think De Lewis was. I think there could have been people who would be better at that part, really. Yeah, no, I, got I, I, th- I, got I think it. I think De Lewis is good at showboating, and um, is that the word I'm looking for? De Lewis is good at showboating and and um, grandstanding. Okay, he's good yeah, at yeah. He, he's good at grandstanding, and he's good at being aggressive characters mm-hmm. um and and that was not part of this character and so he played it he played it soft and and don't think he don't think he was the right person for it i'll, I'll be honest I, i'm not um i haven't got a great depth of experience with sir daniel Dale lewis T- tell me about his character in my own left foot it, it, i, I haven't seen it uh, right, okay, but he obviously had to play someone who was vulnerable in that. So I wonder how, uh, yeah, how that came across. True. Write in, please do write it if you do. do write if you've in. Seen that film? Um, we'd love to know your thoughts. I've seen it. I've seen him in In the Name of the Father. There will be blood. Gangs of New York, where he's playing quite, uh, quite big characters. Hmm. Phantom Thread. Um, Phantom Thread, yeah. I couldn't give a Tinker's Curse. What do you think? 
great use of that phrase. Um, what's your main takeaway? Um, I think what my main takeaway was, well, let me ask you this. Hmm. Winona Ryder's character may well add uh, victim or master manipulator. Thoughts? Um, master manipulator. Mm. Yep. Like, a, like butter couldn't melt, isn't it? You like butter couldn't melt, yeah. A, a, a snake, a snake, a snake chooses when to. No, a snake doesn't choose when to strike, but she's something that chooses chooses when to strike, and when she strikes, strike she does. She strikes mm. it lucky. All right. So I think um, I think my main takeaway was just thinking a lot about America. There's there's a bit in there where it said, "Well, did you see Barrymore this week?" Uh, did I see TikTok? Barrymore this week? Uh, I feel like I have seen Barrymore recently. Yeah, doing something, but I can't remember what it was. Did you have you seen this Wes Anderson craze going around? Yes, that's what I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What awful business, isn't it? The, the Wes Barry Anderson Barrymore doing. But have you seen Barrymore do Wes Anderson? Oh, well, I, yeah, I saw a bit of it. and I thought this is, I'm, I'm, I'm out. This isn't, this isn't making me want to watch this new uh, Wes Anderson film, and it's not making well, me he, want to watch. He's, he's, he's not in TikToks. It. No, he. Well, he's not in it. That was him was filming. That, that's not a trailer for the. It's not a trailer for the film, because he always no. gets a lot of stars in, doesn't he, Anderson? He, an ensemble cast. Mm. Uh, so I thought but, it just it sort of widened his net a little bit more, you know. What's his new film called? Space um, Race. Don't think it's called Space Race. But the Darjeeling, so the Darjeeling Limited, starring Adrian Brody, Jason Schwartzman, Michael yeah. Barrymore, Freddie Starr. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he sort of brought back Bill Murray, didn't he? As a, a sort of, I think Bill Murray was a little bit in the in the hinterlands, wasn't he? Um, mm. Before before he was uh, cast in Rushmore. Mm-hmm. And Barrymore is certainly in the hinterlands now, uh, so maybe he's doing. Bruce, he's Bruce doing Forsyth. for uh, Barrymore what he did for. Uh, I mean, Forsyth's dead, isn't he? The the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, story of a patriarch of the family played by Bruce Forsyth, with precocious, talented children. Genius tennis it. player. A genius tennis player played by Boris Becker. Uh, a, mu- a musical genius played by Vanessa May instead of Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, I like it, yeah. Who's Ben Stiller? Who would play Ben Stiller's character? What was his character? He was like a... What, Sports, I don't, I, beyond he him wore wearing a, a tracksuit, I can't remember yeah. much about him. But I suppose Chris Akabusi would... Danny Dyer? Yeah. Maybe Chris Akabusi. Akabusi would be better. Yeah. So, that what's your main takeaway? Um, Winona so, Ryder. So, so Daniel Day-Lewis is talking to Pat, Michelle Pfeiffer 
and um, he's saying he's like saying, "Oh, what's the point of starting a whole new film? That's a, what's what's the point of starting a whole new country if you're just going to copy the uh, original original yeah. one?" Saying talking about like New uh, New York society and how it's sort of apes British society. Um, yeah. And then I thought about this film being based on a book and it's a costume drama about a book that people study as kids um and I, and I thought guys you're still doing it you're still doing what they're, they're making costume dramas about literature that's you know granted Jane Austen was maybe I don't know 50, 75 years before this came out, this book came out, but they're just doing what we, we've been doing a little bit later. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's the first time you said, you know what I'm saying, on this podcast. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're just repeating the sentiment, unfortunately. They've got, you know, they've got the gangster film. We don't have a, we don't have the gangster film. Yeah. Well, we do, but... We we're do. copying them a little bit. Um, yeah, they've got their own. Just tread your own path, man. The Ameri- the Yanks have got the gangster film. Yeah, the, the Yanks have got the gangster film. They've got their own. They've got their own stuff going on, which is really, really great. You know, I love. I'm an. I'm an America file, aren't I? Um, you are an America file. I don't want to see them trying to do stuff that I don't really like about this country. You Thanks. don't want them. You don't want Americans doing the costume dramas. No. No. Mm. Having said mm. that, you know it was it was an entertaining film. I, I enjoyed the. I, I think like in in this podcast we've talked about convention quite a lot, haven't we? It's a theme that's close to our hearts. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that exploration of that theme. Um, it's. I think. Despite what you just said, I think it's always a pleasure to watch Dale Lewis do his thing. Yeah, I, I do like Dale Lewis, definitely. Uh, yeah. And we haven't mentioned um, Margaret Margulies. Is this your takeaway number two? Um, first of all, I need to remember what her first name is. Miriam. Miriam Margulies. Um, I, 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 some people say Margoyles, some people say Margulies. Do people really say Margoyles? Are you thinking of Marboyles? I might be thinking of me. I might be thinking of me who says mm. Margoyles. Yeah. Mar-boyles. Marboyles behind the Empire Theatre in Liverpool. And that's Mar Egerton's. Marboyles yeah. is in the near that church near near the uh, dock road. And they do a pub quiz hosted by and Whistle. What's his name from from Ravon? Oh, does he Ray... do it now? Uh, Fitz Fitz Fitzmorris Fitzmorris Fitz Neil Fitzmorris. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, takeaway is that Margulies, I think, is an absolute tour de force wherever she's in. Um, she was an absolute tour de France in this film, and that was great casting. I don't know who 
who the casting director was of this film. I didn't check the credits with that one. She was a piece of resistance, pièce de resistance in this film. Absolutely, yeah. Absolute yeah. Tour de France. Um, she really... This film would have been very dull without her, wouldn't it? Yeah, she she lit up the screen with her accent. Her accent was spot on. I liked all the Pomeranian dogs she had, and she was very sharp in it and funny. Mm-hmm. Give me another one of your takeaways. Takeaway number two. Do you know what this film has? Again. Um, no. People look into the camera and break in the fourth wall. It did, yeah. It did. And it's only the second film we've watched where that's done and it was another costume drama. Um, Pfeiffer and Pfeiffer did it, I think. The person who definitely did it was Winona Ryder. Yes, in a sort of a very Scorsesean bit, wasn't it? That yeah, the yes. camera zoomed. The camera was moving, moving up to her, mm. and she delivered the line right into the camera. Yeah, and positive or negative? What are your thoughts on? on- Negative, and and that ties into the narration for me as well. I thought the narration was not needed. I'll tell you what the narration reminded me of. Another, uh, what you could call the contemporary version of uh, Edith Wharton's novel, mm. Sex in the Sea. What do you mean? What's that? Well, Sex in the Sea is all about the jockeying for position isn't it it's all about Mm. he said she said um it's lou reed's new york conversation it's um tales from the city it's tales from the city it's is that a dog is that where you you um they look after your dog in the baltic triangle oh i thought that was more yeah in between yeah it's in between baltic triangle and Brunswick. Toxteth, Brunswick. Te- that's Tales in the City. So what are you, t- what are you talking about? Um, a gay... series of gay novels that were turned into a TV series called Tales of the City about a woman who goes to live in San Francisco and makes friends with people in that scene. Written by um, Armistead Morpin. Morpan, Morpin. Of course, of course. Well, yeah. Anyway, that the um, the narration just reminded me of uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I felt the narration took me out of it. I thought there was too much narration. That combined with the quick camera movements and the flashy editing, and the look people were talking to the camera, those things just take me out of the film. And. I, I'm not saying you can't use narration. Like, I could think things can be bookended really well by a narrator, um, or it can be done less frequently. In the in the case of Goodfellas, it really works mm-hmm. the narration, mm-hmm. but in this, for some reason, it just took me out of it. Uh, well, I think it's a hard disagree for me again here. I think I think with this film, I think with costume dramas, like I was saying last week, they have to work a bit harder and I think for me that's narration it's quick cuts it's it's look it's doing things that 
I liked in Goodfellas. Um, and it's you know it's those are three things. I can't. I yeah, got another one. That's, that's fine. Yeah. It sounds good when you start saying it. Mm. Yeah. Rule of three. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it was a, it was a good effort. We appreciate effort on this podcast. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it's all about, really, isn't it? It's about nothing if not effort. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Have you got a takeaway number three? I think that's all my takeaways. I think I've got two two takeaways this week. Yeah. Um, have I got a third takeaway? Um, schmuck. Um, things taking me out of it. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay, well, let's move on to ratings. Is that is that official part of the of the format now? I think if you've done it for ten episodes, you have to carry on. Okay. Are we? Would you recommend this film to Michael Owen? Are we doing that? No, that's that's gone. That's long. Would gone you recommend this film to Bradley Walsh? Um, the, the no. host of the the host of the chase. Uh, I'll tell you what. What I'll, tell, I'll give you. I'll give you a third um, takeaway. I said last week that I'd like to watch this film because I'd like to be a Scorsese completist. Do you remember mm. me saying that? Yeah. I don't know if that made the final edit of the. Did that make the final edit? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. Um. I still want to be a Scorsese completist. So you're gonna have to watch Kundun. Is that a long? Is that a long one? I don't know. I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, Silence. I've heard that's quite hard going. Um, but the, 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 guess what number number film of Scorsese is this? Is The Age of Innocence? 30. Uh, uh, it's 14. But I thought it was a much earlier one. Yeah. But he's already got Goodfellas, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, Mean Streets, all under his belt by this point, hasn't he? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, fe- I felt um, I felt I-, I still think this is a good film. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I just felt it didn't need. I like a costume drama. I don't. I don't like a costume drama, but I'm just comparing it to Remains of the Day, which was very still, and people seemed much more trapped just from the stillness of the camera and the framing and stuff. Mm. Do you think you'd... This this had a good claustrophobic feel, though, didn't it? Yeah, I think... Yeah. Go on. What what were you going to say? Do you think you'd have enjoyed this film more if you hadn't seen Remains of the Day and you wouldn't be able to compare it to Remains of the Day? A little bit more, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? So maybe by doing his podcast and watching more films, we're actually allowing ourselves to enjoy films less. No, I don't think so. The bigger your frame of reference, the less you are likely to enjoy films. And Michael Owen, he's probably absolutely bloody loved the films that he's seen because he's thinking, wow, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. Whereas we're thinking, oh, that's 
they've tried to do something there where it's, they haven't really achieved it as well as X did it there. Hmm. Yeah. X hits the X hits the spot. X gonna give it to you. Hmm. Yeah. It's food for thought. It's food for it is, thought. It is. It is. I'm still no. I'm still enjoying the films. Definitely, of course, makes me enjoy them more. I just think, I just think it's what I was saying for my own private Idaho. There's films that really get you, like you know, love stories that really get mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, Brokeback Mountain. I, I mm-hmm. didn't mention that, but me and Emma mentioned that last night. That gets you at the end. I, I, I only compare it because I think of love stories that don't have happy endings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't. Th- I, I, I think I have quite like um, limited expectations. I think when films really do move me emotionally, I think it's a really amazing bonus I don't, I don't think i have any expectations that a film is going to move me emotionally wow yeah i just realized that actually in this wow. conversation but when you go and see a piece of theater no matter what it is you're 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 bowled over no i don't think you i got... expect anything to move me emotionally but when it does i'm effusive in my praise for it okay what you've said about theatre in the past is, yeah, you're right. You haven't said that it affects you emotionally, but you're always super impressed by it. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always, yeah. I've I've only seen one but, player that I wasn't impressed with. Yeah, um, it, was a, it was it was a farce, both both literally and uh, metaphorically. What was it? I can't remember what it was called. But you liked Meatloaf, the musical, Bat Out of Hell. Big time, big time. Mm. And that probably was, did move me emotionally, but when you get the music of Meatloaf involved in anything, it's always going to move you emotionally, isn't it? It's It's a cheat code. It's a cheat code for life, I call it. Yeah, it's a, it's a life hack. Mm. Well, I prefer cheat code for Cheat code for life. Cheat code for life. What film not, not, has not Chico for life? Che- cheat code. Chico for life. Not like Say it's it Chico time. Cheat code for life. Cheat code for life. Cheat code. Cheat code. It's a it's a gaming reference. You, you won't get it. It's, it's from the right. gaming world. What 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 film has moved you emotionally? Um, two two of the main ones, Paddleton, and Everyone Is Fine, and the two films that no one ever talks about. Well, I've watched Paddleton, and I I, th- I thought you might say that. And and what's the other one? Everyone Is Fine, starring Bobby De Niro, Sam Rockwell. Uh, I can't remember who else, but um. Yeah, right from right from the get go, it's a it's a tearjerker. When was that made? Approximately, I'd say approximately 
2009. Okay. Great. So where are we up to now? Ratings. You're going to give your ratings. First heading, cinematography. Mm-hmm. Going to give it six out of ten. Right. You're not. You're not. You're not happy with that. I mean, that's a real, that's a real slap in the face, isn't it? It is. I thought the production design was great. Costumes were great, but there were some cheap tricks going on in this film. Some Cheap tacky, tricks. some real tacky stuff going on. I think that's, I think that's the crux of it. I think for me, you've got the ornate, you've got the costume drama, you've got the pomp and ceremony. You've got to balance it out with some cheap tricks, some, some low culture, some chewing gum for the eyeball, the eyeballs. Some of that little Sicily dirt. That gets under the fingernail, fingernail. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You want to be down in the gutter, like where Scorsese normally takes us, mm-hmm. represented through cheap tricks, yeah, done in, in the cinematography, like the way the way it would focus in on people for conversations, and there'd be like a dark vignette around them. Yeah, I wasn't, like I wasn't overly keen on that, to be honest. No, and then like. The bit where Michelle Pfeiffer is standing by the lighthouse and the boat is going past. It didn't look beautiful orange. to me. It, it was just an orange kind of mess. Whereas if you watch like other films that are set in the past and it's all done through like obviously going to compare it to one of the greatest examples ever. So it's not really fair, but uh, Barry Lyndon by Stanley Kubrick. Like every, he f- shot a lot of outdoor scenes using natural light. Well, all the outdoor scenes were using natural light, and those scenes looked like paintings without bathing them in orange filters and stuff that this film had. I liked. I liked it. I liked the orange bit. Okay, um, <laughs> you like. You just love lighthouses. I do, I do, yeah, yeah. Guilty. I'm I'm not blowing smoke up your ass to say that, am I? I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. You love I lighthouses. I don't think that's the right the right phrase. I'm not what would you say? Um I'm not talking S. I'm not I'm not talking an S. When yeah, when I say I'd, you love lighthouses, I mean I don't think it's, I don't, I, it's quite a bold claim. I don't, I don't think I've ever talked to you about lighthouses before. I like the Lighthouse Family, and I like yeah. um, the program Round the Twist, which was set in a light lighthouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I like the film, The Lighthouse. I haven't seen it. Uh, Patterson and uh, your man. You love Coast on BBC Two. I did love Coast, but that, that the guy who um, 
presents that. He's now a GB News anchor, isn't he? Is a big, is he? He's a big right wing scumbag. Yeah. Wow. Cinematography. Mm-hmm. Six out of ten. Production value for money. Big production. Thirty-two mm-hmm. million spent. Pretty penny. Watch this on Amazon Prime. How much did you pay? Did you check whether it was on Netflix or not? I don't have Netflix anymore. Right, okay. Um, I also, I paid, I'm going to say £3.49. I'm going to say that, yeah, £3.49. Production value for money, giving it 3 out of 5. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. What would you give it if you believed in ratings? Uh, if I was to believe in ratings, I would give it the same as you. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a little bit concerned that I, I bought it on Amazon, and then when I Google it, the Netflix symbol comes up. So I think I, I think I've shot myself in the foot with that. You could. Try and get a refund. Yeah, the the pretty it's pretty easy to get refunds from bit of a bit of a life hack here for you, bit of a cheat cheat code for life. Cheat um, code for life. It's really easy to get um refunds from from Amazon. They love they love giving refunds, Amazon. They're the new Argos. They're the new Marks and Spencer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Story. No. I'm going to give that brass tax. brass tax time the story I'm going to give it 9 out of 10 because it was a good story and every scene developed the, hired the stakes a little bit and every scene developed the story there wasn't any like flab mm. but I think the the pacing was not was off and um, yeah it was kind of delivered like a almost like a thriller in the way it was yeah in the way it yeah. sped along yeah that's a good it's that's good that isn't it and the music um i give it i give it a solid 8 out of 10 yeah i did like the music plush was it would you say it was plush the music um the female guitar band Who, who are you talking about? La- Lady Killer. I don't know that. Is, that. is it Lush? Is it Lush? Bush. There's Bush, who were a male guitar band. With Gavin. Gavin Rosdale, yeah. I just I just call him Gavin. Why is that? Just I just think it needs to be highlighted. We need to talk about Gavin. Lush were an English rock band formed in London in 1987. The original line lineup consisted of Mickey Berenny, Berenyi, Emma Anderson, Steve Rippon, and Chris Ackland. Okay, if we if we're going to keep Liam on board, I think we need to move on to um, what Liam. Would you do? W- Liam would he he will go mad for the mention of Lush. Oh really? Yeah. 
and Liam, do write in if you've got any stuff about Lush for us. Yeah, no, I'd like I to think I think he will have had some of their CDs or cassettes. Okay, do we want to do protagonist on this call or start a new call? Let, let, let's see if we can squeeze it in. At, w- at what stage do we do write-ins? Um, peppered. It's peppered throughout. Mm-hmm. We had a write-in from a young man called Chris. Chris? Yeah. Okay. Not, yeah. not me. Not, not me. Ah, right. Okay. I thought you were doing And he said that Bradley Walsh tells great stories in the bar afterwards. I bet, yeah, I can I can well imagine that, yeah. After, after they finish, after they wrap Blankety Blank, Bradley, he said, first hand knowledge, Bradley Walsh tells great stories afterwards in the bar. I wonder. I wonder what so not really boarding. a writing. Bawdy, I don't know, he didn't say. Not really a writing concerning this podcast, just a bit of. Right, no information. No, but you did a... mention you did mention Blanksy Blank and Bradley Walsh a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, we did, we did, um, and we had another writing from the 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 chap who has who who has had gout. Okay, yeah, yeah. He said. I've not finished the. He said, I've not finished the latest episode yet, but I'm enjoying it. I like the dignity that you gave me by not naming me in the gout chat. That was quality hosting. Yeah. No, we do. I mean, if you know, we'll always anonymize people if they do talk about their gouts. It's one of our, it's one of our policies, isn't it? It's one of our policies. It's one of our, it's one of our USPs that the other podcasts don't have. Their name no, and shame, we anonymise. No judgment. No judgment. And when I floated the timekeeping with that writing, mm. the person who has had gout said um, they are a bit long. That's all it said. They are a bit long. Yeah, yeah. I brought I brought it up, and he said they are a bit long. Well. I'll mention this as well. There's a writing from a young man from um, Nottingham called Ed Edward, um, and he's also mentioned Ed, that Ed Edward, as in his first name is Edward. Edward, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. he's mentioned that we could do with a, a, a sharper hand on the ed, ed, editing, you know, more more editing, shorter, sharper. And the reason why yeah. I asked you about the films before is that Edward made a comment about um, he said that, that he thought that one of the themes of it was we were choosing bad films Oof. So uh, because it seemed that we we weren't really I guess we weren't enjoying the films or they were, oh. all, they were all quite negative conversations oh dear no so, that's not uh, that's not a theme. We we want to choose good films, we and we don't always. Films. We don't always hit the mark. We're sometimes disappointed, but it's not through lack of trying, is it? Yeah, we're not. This isn't. It's not ironic or anything. We're, we're really trying to choose. It's not that uh, podcast where they watch um, Grown Ups two over and over again. Yeah, 
Exactly. Or they watch one minute of Batman each time. Mm. But um, but yeah, it could be shorter. And I think Ed would... As, there's something in that where another person could edit it and they'd probably be a bit more brutal than, than we would. But we haven't got funding. We haven't yet. got funding yet. And then another person who wrote in during the first few episodes said they like it when you and I disagree on films. So there's something in that negativity. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. It's uh, the rich tapestry of the midlife film catch-up. Yeah. What would you do if you were the protagonist of The Age of Innocence? I couldn't help but notice that that little carriage at the end where you remember where Daniel DeLewis and Michelle Pfeiffer kiss in yes. the carriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Quite small, wasn't it? I guess I guess so, yeah. It was probably a handsome cab. What's that? Uh cab cabs in those olden days, handsome cabs. That was the company. Uh I think it was the model. Handsome cabs. Mm-hmm. That handsome cab was a bit pokey. Wasn't it? Yeah. I'd, I'd prob if I was, I'm going to choose De Lewis. If I was him, I would trade that in for something. Right. Okay. He actually it wasn't his carriage, was it? I think it was. I think a handsome cab, as the name suggests, is a is a is a cab. Is a taxi. So you'd have to. Uber XL to get a to get a bigger one. No, I'd stick to my own transport. You know, um, I'd get some sort of penny farthing to get around on penny farthing. It'd be the it'd be the laughing stock stock of uh, of New York. Imagine what um, the Van der Leidens would say if uh, you were you were going about on a penny farthing. I think it it would distract from the fact that I was trying to get off with Michelle Pfeiffer. You think that would be a good distraction method? The penny fan? Yeah. Yeah, because, well, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Liam, used, he, he, he rode a unicycle at one point. What's it as his, like, just normal mode of transport? No, no, but but I think when I tell you where we lived, it'll blow your mind a little bit. Hong Kong? Yeah. Can you imagine anyone riding a unicycle in, in, in that sort of city cityscape? And was he no. doing that to distract from something that he didn't want people to know about? Maybe. I can't speak for him. But he could have been trying mm. to pull the wool over my eyes. Mate, his yeah. flatmate, or yeah. trying to distract me from something that I didn't know about. But I'm going to blow your mind a little bit more now. Go on. He would take this unicycle once a week to Victoria Park in Causeway Bay, Hong Kong, and play a game of unicycle hockey, street hockey. Really. So is it, was he in a in a in a team or 
And how many people per team for unicycle hockey? Was it a popular sport in Causeway Bay? Probably, probably looking at seven, eight. What was that? Uh, it was the flat above. Looking at seven, eight people per per team, not using British hockey sticks, using the mighty mighty ducks hockey sticks. Not using British. Okay, so so similar to you know my roots in uh, street hockey. Yeah, but on a unicycle. Yeah, on a unicycle. Yeah. yeah. The the mind, the mind plays tricks. So, whatever he was might have been hiding, he was going for big distraction technique mm. there. So I would ride a penny farthing. I'd probably yeah. do learn to juggle or something. And you're you're the you're Archer, the uh, Dan, Sir Daniel, Daniel Lewis. Daniel DeLewis. He was sort of a kind of straight um, lawyer figure who was, you know, and the whole film was desperately about people trying to keep up appearances in in high society. And you couldn't really advance unless you were taken seriously. And I would juggle Skittles or or, or Rings. And I'd, I'd I'd ride a penny farthing, and I'd, I'd have a flower that squirts water. I mean, this is this has got echoes of James Cundall's uh, wishes, wasn't it? Last he wanted to join the circus as an immortal um... freak show. Well, yeah, he said circus. I I said freak show. Yeah, he said, well, he, to, he said he wanted to be a showman. If that's what, if that's what you would, if that's what you would, would do, and what about your ha- love affair with uh, what about the love triangle? Well, I'd be then I'd be hiding in plain sight, wouldn't I, with the juggling, mm. and then New York society wouldn't be so concerned with me pursuing Pfeiffer, and they wouldn't ambush me like they did at the end with. Lewis. No, yeah, no, that's... that. So you just carry of... on. You'd carry on carrying on with... I would... Countess. I'd be up front with Winona Ryder and... and... Oh, you, so you wouldn't need to... You wouldn't need the whole charade then, would you? I'd do it anyway. <laughs> I'd do it anyway for fun for fun you've got to have a laugh you've got you've got, to, you've got to you've got to make them laugh life's life's short isn't it life is short life is short and speaking of short lives if I was a protagonist um, mm. may well add I would. So um, you, you've chosen win on a rider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I would um, get out of that. Get out of that relationship. Toxic. Toxic, Toxic relationship. He didn't really respect her, but I, 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 I met me, and I also don't think I really respected myself. 
So I think but it would be. You, Winona Ryder was the toxic one. She was the snake in the grass. Mm, no. 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 She was. Um, She's doing what she had to do, but I wouldn't go about it in the same way. Would you try and improve your company values or anything? Um, well, I'd get with Richard E. Grant, yeah, who was a lover of the theatre. Yeah. And I'd maybe just get like a comms, a comms role at the theatre. A comms role? Mm. You're talking about, you're talking about communications. Communications. I'd channel my love of the theatre into a a comms role. Because often the job is described as comms and marketing. So what's the comms bit? Or or is marketing fall under comms? Press releases. Press releases. Press releases. You, you, and can you draft a press release? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's second nature to you, isn't it? You've read yeah. millions of them. You've written millions of them. I eat theatre. I breathe press releases. Yeah. But how does that fit in with your punk values? Um, well, I'd probably subvert stuff. I probably would subvert, subvert. I think me and Richard would yeah. look at the society askance and subtly. And and Winona's already shown that she's got an acute sense of how to pull the strings in these, in this. In this at this uh, society, yeah, uh, and I do that to subvert things, yeah, in a punk in a punk way, like like when Jimmy Cundle, James Cundle, do what do you call him, Jim James? I, or Jimmy? I, I uh, swing from James to Jimmy. What Jim said last week is that he defaced. A frame of Slumdog Millionaire by writing his initials on it. Yeah, Would what I'd maybe that? do a similar sort of thing. But what I'd do is I'd buy art pieces that were really pushing the pushing sensibilities at the time, like uh, Damien Hurst. Yeah, of, the, of that time, the Damien Hurst of that time. So it probably wouldn't be a shark in a tank. It would be. Um, it would probably be like a a bear, a, a head, a mounted mm. head of a bear, but with some some glasses on or something. <laughs> a taxidermy bear's head wearing glasses. Yeah, that's the sort yeah. of stuff that I'd be. Or like buying. dogs playing snooker. Yeah, Hounds. is that that is that that sort of era? That might be might be a bit later, I think. Mm. Dogs, Good. Um, dogs.
1993. Okay, yeah. Uh, what were you up to? Uh, so I was nine. I was coming up to mm-hmm. nine. The, mm. My peak. Was it? No, ten. Ten was my was peak. Ten was your peak mm-hmm. in life. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, the last couple of years of primary school, Mrs. Watts class. Um, Colin Greaves joined the school, of course, in that year. Mm-hmm. Colin was known for having a big head. Um, he had two brothers, Barry and Peter. Like the Gibbs, like the Beatles, <laughs> Barry and Peter Gibb. Is it Peter Gibb? Oh, is it not? Barry? I think so. Barry Morris. And Robin, Robin, yeah. Do write in. Let's confirm that. Um, yeah. So summers that never quick, ended. Qu- quickly again, Colin. What's his name? Greaves. He's got a large head. He's mm. just joined the school. He's just joined the school. So me and James Tomlinson showed him round. Um, we were glue monitors at the time. I what what monitors? Glue. PVA glue. Yeah, making sure it wasn't stolen. It, it wasn't congealing, it wasn't... Um, it, everything was clean and tidy. Wow, good. Um, there was a big war that involved um, cut-up rubbers, uh, you know, erasers. Uh yeah. That was going on. That was spearheaded by uh, Christopher Copeland and Daniel Hailstone, uh, which which Chris... culminated in hit and them uh, orchestrating a mass rubber throwing um, battle. Um, and it was during the time when there, there was a um, there was a substitute teacher, and I can't for the life of me remember who that substitute teacher was. But it was basically it was to overthrow the substitute teacher. Yeah, the substitute teachers—they often come in for a grilling, don't they? From oh the kids. God, yeah, yeah. But that—that that must have been bad for business. No one likes war. It's bad for business. No, and I wouldn't be surprised if some some of the rubber shrapnel got in the glue. Is that what you mean by business? Yeah, the, the yeah. in the glue. For sure. So. Um... Mrs. Taylor, I think it was Mrs. Taylor was the uh, substitute teacher and she was a bit of a hard-ass. Was she? A hard-ass, but loved poetry. Oh, good, good, good. So she didn't break to the children's will? No, no. And what did would you do as a glue, a glue monitor? It was mainly w- washing out the... Um, so we'd keep the glue in what would be film um, pots. So when you used to get camera films, camera yeah. rolls, you'd get these little black pots. Do you remember yep. these that the film came in? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, as early early adopters of uh, recycling, Bransburton County Primary School would use those for the PVA glue vessels. Yeah. So we'd just make sure that they were tip top make sure that the spatulas because you'd use glue spatulas in those days yeah make sure they were, they were clean kept clean um because you didn't I, want... I think I, th- I think I think people still use them some 
spatulas. Can I call good. you Sam? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, spatulas. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that um, because we, me and James Thomas, and our table, which now had coin greaves on it, we'd really keep those spatulas clean. <laughs> And what else did you have to do? Um, so Mrs. Taylor led a project. It was a um, poetry. Poet, I'm thinking I've got my ears wrong, you know, because it was a poetry anthology. And I wrote a poem about a, a, a soccer tournament that England were in. In soccer in 1993. There was no tournament in 1993. You call it soccer? Uh, just for our, because uh, we've got American, we've got yeah, over forty American listeners, so just yeah. for them, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, water fights, you know, water fights. Um, oh, the Sam Gang was probably formed around this time. Yeah, have I told you about the Sam Gang? No, no. Go on. So that was me. Norm and Jimmy, and then Rob asked if he could join. Um, mm. I thought about it overnight, Rob Tibbetts, mm. and I allowed him to join as well. You, 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 did you say to him, I'll sleep on it? Mm. Mm-hmm. I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Don't call us, we'll call you. And we found a frog um, in Norm's garden, I believe. Uh, we, caught, we christened the frog Gilbert. And it was the Sam Gang mascot, so it's called S. G. Gilbert. So we had mm. S. G. Gilbert for a good, a good length of time, and then we set that free in Stephen Cooper's uh, pond. Uh, and whose idea was the Sam Gang? Hard to say. Hard to say. It's what you know. These things sort of naturally occur, don't they? They do. They do because it's um, it's quite uh, it's quite bold. If it was you who said I'm starting the Sam Gang, no, well, who? Yeah, who's to, who's to say? Really, who's to say? But we would. Yeah. Um, our mortal enemy was my brother's set of friends. So you're talking Paul Shipley, Ben Kappa, Matthew Northgraves, um, and Jimmy Cundall had a special move where he would set some netting, some sort of netting around, and then he'd have a fork a garden fork mm. so they'd get their the feet stuck in a netting and then he'd jam the fork into the netting and then they'd yeah that's he'd, curtains he'd, for them he'd stab them with a fork no 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 he'd, they'd fall over and I don't know what happened after that what would how would he use the fork it stabbed the fork into the netting so the net, so their feet's in the netting they're trying mm-hmm. to run away then the fork goes in the netting um, what was the fork for? To, to to stab into the netting, so the netting won't move. Their feet is in the netting. They're a good good night nurse. You know, good good night, a good 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 night good Vienna. Night, sweet, good night, sweetheart. Good night. God bless. Um. So what did the fork do? What? 
No, I think I've made this clear. It's that yeah, they'd get um, their feet stuck in a net. They'd be running. They'd run through the yeah. netting. Yeah. Uh, the feet would be stuck in a net. They'd, they'd be still running with the netting. Stab the fork into the netting, into the ground. Right. Uh, I don't need to say. I don't need to say any more on that. I don't think. Say no more. Say no more. Yeah, and that was Sam the Sam gang. gang. The Sam well, gang years. and we'd have the spy file. We we all had the spy files, and we'd sort of put our code names in the spy file and uh, plot plot our missions. And how was it going with the Sid Little, Eddie Large? Nightmare, I think or I, I, worry I, I, about. Yeah, I think, you know, it's always in the back of my mind. Mm. It was always in the back of my mind, but I think I was probably, maybe maybe I was blocking it out with the with the Sam Gang stuff. And and how was it going with the fear of fainting? Um, again, you know, it was a constant, it, it, it loomed large, but I just had to channel my uh, energies into glue and... Um, Gang activity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You got to do. You got to do what you can to get ahead, any way you can, really. You got to do what you got to glue. That's always what. That's what we would. Yeah. Might have said. Don't know if that's I did, good. We we had with. the only gang I ever started was called the Cheese Club. Yeah. Self explanatory. Was that was that a gang or? Self explanatory. You'd eat, you get together and eat, eat a lot of, eat a lot of cheese. I, I think it's self-explanatory. So, okay. And who was in the cheese club? Me, Barb's, who I've mentioned earlier, Chris, uh, and I think Colin Smith. Mm-hmm. And who was the but, best? Who was the best? Who? Yeah, who was the best? I don't think we don't think we measured that. Okay. Yeah. Who was the best in the Sam Gang? Not for me. To, not for me to say. Right. But then. But then the Cheese Club got discovered by Ian Dunt. Uh oh. On on the top deck on the back of the bus, and he made light of it. Okay. So what, I felt I felt, I felt a bit silly then. And what sort of cheeses were you dealing with? No physical cheese would ever take place. It was more just an obsess- being obsessed with cheese and the word cheese. Okay, and using, yeah. Using it in many different ways. Yeah. And are we talking well, 93 here or is this a bit later on? This was secondary school. Okay. So what about 1993? 1993, I've got written down that me and Mike made an igloo nice have you done this uh, I mean I've started to make igloo I've got a horrifying story about Norm Nick and Man and an igloo but I think we should either stick a pin in that or never mention it again Norm who and an igloo Nick Nick and Man Norm who lives in California That's it's his surname is Nick and Man is uh, Nicholas a man? Is his name a man? A man. Um, so uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's lots of people in, in uh, suits walking past, like race races gear races. Right, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So you made Should... an igloo in 1993. 
Did it? Was yeah. it a full dome? We're talking. Did it go all the way over? I, I've got a photo of it, so I could share it this week to the the socials at filmcatchup dot com. No. And no dot com. Okay. Um, so yeah, coldest winter on record, I'd say, nineteen ninety four. Is that is, have you looked that up or no? It was nineteen ninety four. It was the coldest winter on record. Crosby had been in the grip of a deep freeze. The winds of Siberia had come over and landed in North Sefton. The ground was as hard as rock and um you know it was tough times you know animals couldn't find their couldn't find you know squirrels couldn't find where they buried their nuts and mm-hmm. food was scarce um but in Moorside Park in Crosby there was a lot of snow mm. so two industrious young men Chris mm. and Mike Mike yeah in matching anoraks went into the park and were joined by another boy and we made an igloo and yeah i'd say it didn't i'd say it didn't close all the way down but it was you know pretty close to it, it yeah. was pretty um exciting stuff brilliant and was it how how many weeks would you say it was there for uh probably 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 a, Probably just a day. Melted. Never, never, never mind. Yeah, um, but as as I say, it was the coldest winter on on record. But it melted in a day. Yeah, yeah. Just think, um, my microclimate in Moorside Park. Yeah, because it, it's where Crosby is on the border of Crosby Thornton, so probably its own microclimate. Really, you had you had um, you had the Scout Hut on Moor Lane. You had you had the school on Fourfield Lane, so it's probably creating some kind of residual heat or something. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah, checks checks out. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, oh yeah, me and Mike, we made a video of us we hitting each other with frying pans, and then on the video camera you could dub over it, and we were doing like a Vic and Bob routine, wearing right. like wearing like Max and swimming goggles, and um, just not not making contact, but hitting each other with frying pans, and then. Uh, and then we overdubbed it with us hitting frying pans with wooden spoons, and it was really effective. That's brilliant. That's great. Yeah. So you got you got the that's when you got the synth, the filmmaking bug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so have you still got that on. Uh, I think I wiped over it when. When I got that video camera, when I went to Hong Kong, when I when I. I took it to Hong Kong with me, and I think for some stupid reason I wiped over it. What were you filming in, in Hong Kong? 
Um, I did a video of us walking around with Lionel Richie playing over the top, My Destiny, and um, and then Lucky Man by The Verve, and then and then we we had a we had a we had a coffee table that had um, a tropical beach scene on it. And we we did a video of us miming to um, uh, Shores, something Shores by All Saints. Pure, pure, pure Shores. Shores. Uh, yeah, miming to that as a little joke. Um, That's good. Stuff like that. Yeah. Silly hey, stuff. We were kids. We were, we were kids. We were kids. We were just 18 year old kids. Um, so. Yeah, and then I've got down here video shot Robocop. Okay, talk to me. Be I don't know if this is true true or not, but I felt like I felt like our video shop would just let us rent anything out. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm I'm pretty sure that before I was twelve I'd watched Robocop and Predator. Jesus. Yeah. And I and I love I love RoboCop. Still yeah. to this day. Oh, definitely, more so, more so. And it didn't scare you. weren't scared by either of those films, or um, not really. No, um, no, there was stuff I was scared of, but not not them really. Predator a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe my brother can confirm these things when he listens in, but I feel like we watch them mm. before we left Liverpool. I, um, you talked about Repo Man being one of those films that you always saw in the shop but never got. Mm. So what about films that you regularly got? Um, don't don't think we regularly got any. More just like watch it, take it back, rewind mm. it. And take it back. I used to regularly get Kindergarten Cop. Did you? I used to regularly get Suburban Commando. Stop or my mum will shoot. No, not. And but another one was Doc Holiday, and I can't really remember anything about Doc Holiday. Yeah, Suburban Commando was good. Yeah, with the. Have we had this conversation? Where's No, I've had this conversation with someone recently. Mike Dorman, Mike Dorman, yeah. If you're yeah. listening, Mike, good, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> don't know what, yeah. don't know what yeah. I was going to say. I mean, it, I think I rented that. We probably rented that twice, or or is at someone's house and they rented it because that was just a great film. Yeah. Yeah. Do, what does he do? He squashes, squeezes a watermelon to a, a woman tells him the way to test if it's ripe is you squeeze it. Yeah. And uh, Hulk Hogan squeezes it, and it. it Bloody explodes, doesn't it? Because it's so, it so strong. It's 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 slapstick stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, hail and pace. Yeah. There's some music playing next door. Um, so my stomach's rumbling. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. Your choice, yeah. The Boatman's Call, nineteen ninety four. Okay. Lay it on me. Right. Mhm. Film choice number one. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. 
Eat, drink, man, woman. Eat, drink, man, woman. Directed by Ang Lee. Great. Taiwan. Mm-hmm. 124 minutes. Okay. Trouble is brewing for old Mr. Chu, the greatest living chef of Taipei and the father of three grown and rebellious daughters. It's been years since his wife died, and when the widow of Miss Liang moves in next door, suddenly the whole clan is wondering if Mr. Chu will soon be cooking for someone new. Mm, okay, food. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm getting Eight, from that one. 8.6. Mm-hmm. Film number two. Vive l'amour. Can you guess the country? France, Francais. Taiwan. Ooh. Again. Careful. Taiwan. Directed by Chai Ming Lang. 118 minutes. And these are all easily accessible, are they? Yeah. Uh-huh. The urban jungle of Taipei is buzzing with activity, but true human connections are rare. A vacant luxury apartment is used for casual sex. A series of comical incidents reveal three people simultaneously finding solace under this same roof, although they each lead a separate lonesome life. 8.3. Okay, erotic. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we haven't really delved into... Erotic ratings. That's true, yeah. That's true. Anyway, film number three. Mm -hmm. Hoop Dreams. United States. Directed by Steve James. 173 minutes. Documentary. Filmed over a five-year period... Hoop Dreams follows two inner-city boys as they navigate the complex, competitive world of scholastic athletics at a prestigious college, while also striving to overcome the intense pressures of family life and the realities of the Chicago streets. B-ball. Um, I've, seen, I've seen Hoop Dreams. 8.8. You're joking. That was, that was my choice. 173 minutes was your choice. Three hours, yeah, I know, but it's meant to be amazing. It is, it is, yeah. I thought, I thought, you know, I thought I, that was going to be a stone cold winner. It'd like, be nice to um, to talk about pop our documentary cherry, wouldn't it? Exactly. It, it looks like a really good documentary that. Mm-hmm. So we can't choose that. I watched it um, as part of my uh, degree. Yeah, sport matters in a sport matters uh, module. Mm-hmm. So I'm afraid it's it's ruled out really. Okay. What what would you go for? Um. Well, I like food and I like erotica. I thought you did English, you literature. No, I did media and cultural studies. With a bit of sport. Bit of uh, sport sprinkled in there, yeah. Yeah. So you've got eat, drink, man, woman, viva la mora, alum, what was that one? 
Viva Alamo. Vive Lamour. Vive Lamour. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd be, it, I always like, I always enjoy erotica, so mm. probably that one. We can watch Vive Lamour with a free trial from Filmbox. It's also on YouTube, I think. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Alright then. So is that what we're going for? Zai Ming Liang? It, it was my third choice, you know. Yeah, but the, the three choices are obviously of a uh, of a high calibre. But I guess I just chose it because I never thought we'd be choosing it and I thought it just ties in with the Sinophile thing that I was doing. Well, what do you want to do? Do you want to go back to the drawing board? I'm hung by the noose of my own petard. You're hung by the noose of your own petard, yeah. Um, I think let, let's go with Vive L'Amour. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's got just as good a rating as the other two. Okay, and um, do you have a quote to end this? Yeah. Costumes on, cut fast. Costumes on, cut fast. No, 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 no. Costumes on, cut it fast. Costumes on, cut it fast.